0: restaurants unstoppable episode 598
1: with kyle noonan i would just encourage somebody to evaluate have really strong self-awareness on what they're good at no one's good at everything and so really understand what you do well and if it fits in the industry you want to be in and then if what you don't do well make sure you have the pieces around you to compliment you
0: I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at RevelSystems.com/slash un stoppable. Here is a statistic for you. bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Kyle Noonan. My man, Kyle, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I am always feeling unstoppable. You know why? Why? Because I'm relentless. Ooh, I take um, it. it is hard to it's hard to beat somebody that doesn't quit. I, now, being unstoppable doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, and I and and I, I and I'm I'm certainly not. Coated in a In a In a protective shield I (laughs) I, I get dinged all the time But I don't quit And i love it man I'm relentless
0: Bombs of knowledge Dropping from the opening sentence This is This is a good sign Uh, So college friends And free range concept founders Kyle Newman And Josh Shepkowitz Have a combined 20 years of experience In the restaurant And hospitality industry Including hospitality management Operations Acquisitions Divestitures And new store openings From multiple Sorry From multi-million dollar concepts It was in 2000 2010, When the pair decided to go into business together after two years of planning and with only $50,000, they bootstrapped their first concept, Bowl and Barrel. Seven years later, the duo has scaled into 10 total locations consisting of four unique concepts with the addition of Mutt's Canine Cantina. Sorry said over muts canine cantina the rustic and the general public and you also have some opportunities coming with franchising so man you got a lot going on uh the things i've read about you guys and what you've accomplished is so incredible it's, it's going to be a good one i have a feeling no pressure
1: uh, uh, I'm, I'm here <laughs> i'm bringing my, my a game all
0: right i can't wait to dive into your story but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us
1: i'll, I'll leave you with our our, our mantras our, our company motto or our mission statement which is very simple it's Create remarkable memories. Mm. Um, and w- 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 the way that came about is we originally, when we started out, we had this long. W- elaborate mission statement that was you know, very wordy and had a a bunch of corporate jargon. And we realized very quickly that when I would tour the stores and ask people what our mission statement was, they had no idea. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And so I I realized, how could we be a a cohesive unit and have a shared goal if we didn't have a mission statement we could all get behind and, and know by heart? So we started this process of boiling down the mission statement and 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 we went from a paragraph to a couple of sentences and we reduced it down even more to a to a a long sentence and and we kept going and kept pushing and we we stopped to finally say what are we really trying to accomplish here and it boiled down to we wanted to create remarkable memories for our guests but we originally had uh, when we our our second to last iteration of our mission statement ended with for our guests and we we actually felt like we could go further and, and reduce it down even more and, and eliminate just the, eliminate the for our guest part. And simply our mission statement became became to create remarkable memories because we wanted to create remarkable memories, not only for our guests, but for our team members, for our vendors, for our community. Um, and so. Everything that we do when we're in a meeting, when we're interacting with the guest, when we're hiring, when we're interviewing, when we're training, we're really trying to do something special so that, you know, we, we create a remarkable memory for that for that individual. Um, and and the, the word remarkable is important, too, um, because the the the. the dictionary defines it as worth making a remark about mm. and so we wanted it to not only be a good experience and a good memory but also something that you would go and tell somebody how great of a memory we it was have
0: just barely gotten into this interview and you're already sharing really great advice and the big thing is i took from that obviously uh just make it short and sweet because that's what's sticky if you make it too wordy if you try to get everything in there you're not totally. going to be remembered. 100%. So really distill it down to what's most important, what the true, like if you can find the words that describe you the best and put those few words in there, that's the best approach.
1: Yeah. Wholeheartedly. And you know, it, it, it part of it is, is you, you think that you sound smarter by using a lot of big words and fancy jargon and you really just end up losing your audience. Um, you know, love him or hate him. I think that was one of the, the successes that Donald Trump has had, mm-hmm. um, not to get into a political conversation, but it's, you know, it's been widely studied. His, his use of language is very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it's easy to follow. Um, and so we, we do try and boil things down to, to the, to the purest state, um, and not try and get too fancy because it, it it is uh it 's very easy to get fancy
0: yeah, and the other thing i I liked about that opening r- tear you just went on uh, was the idea of uh Making it about memories, being re- rememberable, being remarkable. And when I started doing my research on you guys, it was really clear that that. I mean, well, honestly, when, my first impression was like these guys are all about the experience. But then I got to reading a little bit more, and you're actually really a chef and food focus first, which I found surprising. So you're like really like the whole well rounded package. We'll get into that later. Yeah. But let's let's dive. Let's let's go back to when you got into this industry. Yes. When did you know? you're going to make this your life
1: well so i got into the industry because i uh i got into it for girls um I I was in college I was waiting tables in college for beer money so I could take girls out on dates cuz I realized that you needed some money to get dates. Yeah. They're expensive. And right? <laughs> uh yeah so I I started waiting tables in college and um that my side hustle quickly kind of became my career uh when the the general manager at the store that I was at uh asked me to go into management. And I kind of said, "Well, I guess it's got to be better than You know waiting tables and I quickly realized that uh, management was a lot harder than it looked. Uh, but I also found that there was a quite a bit of passion there that I really enjoyed the leadership component. Um, I enjoyed the problem solving component, and um, I, that was with a company called Pappas Restaurants, and um, I was with them for 13 years. So I was with them for a quite quite some time. I've cut my teeth with, teeth with that organization, and they've clearly one of the industry gold standards. So you went
0: to Southern Methodist University. I did uh, right here what, in what, Dallas. What were you studying there?
1: I was an art. I was an art major. I was a painting and sculpting major. Okay. So I. I, you know, that was part of the other thing is I realized uh, when it came time to graduate that the idea of being a starving artist was not that appealing. Um, and so I've, I was like, well, damn, I have to go find something else that I have. You know, I've got to go. Find a, a a real career, so to speak, and I felt like oh, I'll just I'll you know I'll, I'll be a restaurant manager in the meantime till I figure out my quote unquote real job. Yeah, um, I know
0: your business partner Josh was studying finance.
1: Yes, but I was really and that's kind of the role the lane he stayed in like the the money numbers,
0: uh, properties, things of that nature. He's the smart one. There's <laughs> well, no doubt there's about different it. types of intelligence. <laughs> uh, but you clearly have an eye for detail. It happened just now when we were getting ready for this interview. We were thinking about every little detail that was going to be in the photo, right? And yeah, but. Like it, it, you can see it. it's well that's mainly because
1: i don't make a photo look good on my own so i need the surroundings <laughs> that's <laughs> to what to I be attractive.
0: <laughs> uh but you know let it's the little details and uh you know it's those little things in it shows in your in your i hate the word concept so in your restaurants it there's amazing detail all over the place and, and I was curious if your college, your your, your previous life kind of had an influence on the, the, the success of your concepts.
1: Totally. Well, I mean, so my partner and I are very right, right brain, left brain. You know, he was the finance major. I was the art major. Um, so our, our skill sets really matched well. Yeah. Um, which is one of the key tenets of our success without question uh, because we, you know, kind of complete each other, not mm. to get to Jerry Maguire, but... I can't wait to get into that, but I'm going to tap the brakes there because I want to bring it back
0: to uh, your your come up uh, working at Papa's. Uh, is that where they go by Papa's? Am I, am yeah, Papa's. Thank you Pappas. for having me. Um, great restaurant group, amazing yes. things. They're based out of Houston. They're based in Houston. Yes. So, what was it like being a part of the team? Who were your key mentors? How did they really influence you? Because I know it wasn't your first job in hospital. You were waiting tables in Dallas, and then you went over there. So, what was the difference? What well, the-
1: that actually was my first job. So, okay. I started waiting tables with them. Oh, a the location in Dallas. They do. They have. Right. There's a hundred. Well, when I left, there was 109 locations. They have them even more now. But um, no, that was that's been my li- that was my life for 13 years. And um, you know, you can't. You, I can't express how fortunate I was to have just. Stumbled into that restaurant and applied for a waiting tables job waiting tables Uh, I I, you know, I I knew their reputation was good But I just kind of went there because it was close to my college campus And I felt like it was a nice place to, to, to wait tables at Um, but you know, going through that system, one of the things that they do really well, um, is training. Uh, they, they invest a lot in training. They, they invest a lot in their people. And that was one of the key things that I took away, uh, from my time there when I went to start my Company, uh, My partner and I sat down for the first year and a half without e- before we even opened a restaurant and just wrote training manuals, training documents for every position and wrote the training plan um, because we wanted to ha- make sure that we had a good foundation to build off of um, in order to teach our team so she- how to execute.
0: Try to get into a little bit of detail. Obviously, we can't get into a lot sure. of detail, but
1: oh, the, I can get in the, I can yeah, get in the weeds if you want. Paint that framework, though. Like paint that picture of what good training looks like. Sure. Well, I mean, I think with for for any industry, but ours in particular. Um, it requires a lot of information being passed down but but even more so, and this is the thing that's often overlooked or passed up or forgotten about is the follow up piece mm. um, so not just here here's how many ounces of you know steak are in this whatever dish but then going back and, and, and following up and and not only uh, making sure that, that that individual has retained the information, but also understanding probably more importantly why it's that way. Mm. Um, because the philosophy of not just teaching somebody what, but why. It's sticky. Uh, yeah, it, 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 that's, that's when you start to really actually uh, believe it, understand it, have a grasp of, uh, uh, of, of the information. So um, not only was the was the training program very thorough um, and very thoughtful, but there was a ton of follow-up throughout. Um, You know, I I believe it's been – you know, a number of years now, but I believe the training program for a waiter, for example, is, is two and a half, three weeks. Wow. So, I mean, what, what gates are they bringing their new hires through?
0: Like day one, day two, day three, like how do you, can you? Ref- yeah. The, the yeah. Details? So,
1: well, I, I can't recall specifics cause it's been so long, but I can tell you how we do it. Okay. Um, so a, a new server, uh, starts with us. They're gonna, the, one of the key components is we want to make sure that that a server not only understands their job but every job but the job of everybody that they interact with the big picture the big picture exactly and and understand how all the pieces come together so there is a shift where you're where you're working the host stand and you get to learn the host stand a little bit and understand how that works there's a shift where you're bussing tables and and you get to appreciate and 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 understand that position there's a there's a shift where you uh, work service bar, um, not making drinks, but, but expediting drinks at service bar so you can learn the drinks. And, um, and then there's a shift where you uh, – there's actually two shifts where you work in the kitchen um, and you actually work with the food and you work with the cooks um, and, and the prep crew so that you can understand the food. So you do all of that before you even see your first guest That's at a beautiful. table. And then you, you follow uh, 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 one of our certified trainers for a week. Uh, waiting tables after that. So you kind of go through a week-long, intensive, deep dive of, uh, of of the broad picture, and then you go and actually start getting in front of guests and interacting with guests as a server.
0: Yeah, and what I love about that, it kind of ties back into the why. It's like the unspoken why, but when you understand, it's like an, a car engine, right? Mm-hmm. Every piece of a car engine has a, a a responsibility, but by itself, it doesn't do jack. Sure. But when you bring all those pieces together and you understand every element of the engine, you understand a why. This is why I need to put it this way. This is why we need to make totally. sure we communicate that to the kitchen. This is why I need to pay attention to what the, the host is telling me in this situation because it all is connected in whatever 100%. way. 100%. Uh, what about like, on day one when they first come in? Like, What are you focused on on like the initial day of training?
1: Well, so the – Really, the the thing that we're focusing on more than anything, more than even knowledge, uh, you know, and, and building on the knowledge and the, the blocking and tackling, so to speak, is the hospitality piece. And so that's why day one is the host stand, um, because day one, your job is to just greet guests um Tell them you, thank you for yeah. coming. You know all of those things uh, that 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 make people feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, so we do that, and we're evaluating their uh, their aptitude and really their, their, their how natural they are at doing it. Because you can pretty you can see pretty quick if somebody's a little bit uncomfortable yeah. being hospitable, quote, yep. quote unquote. It's a nat- uh,
0: it's a thing that kind of comes naturally. Some yeah. people just they got it. Other people they can get it, but you got to like sure. draw it out of them a little sure. bit. Um, The other thing I think is great about starting on the hosting is you get to see everything. You do. It's a great place because you're in – just a great place to start. Uh, But what I was kind of curious about was uh, more like the the sit-down paperwork side of things. Not necessarily like the signing of the the documents, but – more on the cultural side how are you training the culture and when does that happen
1: so so we do have before training before official training even starts this host stand shift there's a full day of of what we call orientation and that is learning the history of the organization understanding what we're about um, understanding what we what we believe in and why um, learning our mission statement and getting to meet some team members so that you really start to feel the, 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 the soft skill kind of parts of the restaurant before you even start worrying about the, 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 the technical components.
0: You make sure everybody's aligned. We're all here for the same. Exactly. Uh, Okay. So thank you for getting into detail on that. I appreciate going to that rabbit hole. Um, One last thing I'm kind of curious about if you could go a little bit deeper uh, is the recurrent training, the, the continuous training thereafter. What hard things have you put in place to make sure that that happens or how do you go about continual continually training your people?
1: Sure. So we do 30, 60, 90 day reviews. And then, and then after that we do every six months. Um, So we do that with, with the entire team at all different levels. Uh, but then also we have what we call workshops um, workshop trainings. So we'll, we'll do a, a say pick a, a Tuesday afternoon where we'll bring in all of our, dishwashers, and we'll do a dishwash workshop okay. where where we go through and talk about how to you know how to change the chemicals, how much chemicals go in it you know all just all of those things are just certain mechanics that that are involved with um with that position um and it could be a different topic for for each different workshop each different time. But um, so we we do those we do those on a on a quarterly basis to ensure that, again, not only is the information current, uh, but also that everybody gets it at the same time and and that everybody's kind of on the same page. Because in in this industry, there's a lot of team members that don't ever see each other because I I work Tuesdays and Wednesdays and this person works Fridays and Saturdays. And, you know, so a lot of times it's hard to get information out um, to everybody. So we, we, we like to bring everybody in to, to do kind of group sessions, yeah, more intimate, if you will. I dig yeah. it.
0: Uh, thank you so much for all that detail. Sure. Uh, going back to your story, I think we were talking about the influences you had at Papa's. Uh, am I saying it right now? I'm worried I'm saying to say it right Papa's. Papa's. Thank you very much. It's Greek. Much. I know. i got to be better. <laughs> uh, I should know this. My, my Greek uh, boss growing up was Papa Kazidis or something there like go. that. So you uh, go. Anyway, um, what about the people here? Uh, any key people who influence you in any key mentors, any really influential people in your
1: life? Sure. Well, I mean, certainly my, uh, my bosses and my mentors in, at Pappas and the Pappas brothers themselves. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount from a restaurant standpoint, um, from the, from the tactical side, if you will. Um, but I can tell you just, uh, from a more of a philosophical point of view, uh, it's my parents. My parents instilled a work ethic in me um they they instilled a drive in me um, I had a great family I had a great coming up and growing up but i also they didn't make it easy on me they you know they wanted to make sure I had the I had to feel the hunger. Give me an um,
0: example of a time they made you feel the hunger.
1: Well, um, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've got to tread lightly. I, I can tell you this. I, um, my, my friends all knew that uh, I wasn't going to be able to go out on the weekends with them because I was going to be working. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I hear you.
0: Um, so you spent 10 years with the Papa's family, 13, 13 years yeah. with the Papa's family. How long did it take you to make that jump from serving to management? I think you might have mentioned Um,
1: everything. yeah, I, I, I want to say I waited tables for about six months, six months. Wow. Um, and then they, they asked me to jump up into so, management and so
0: 12 and a half years of management.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Why leave? What was, what was the reason there?
1: Well, um, you know, ultimately, and I had a great job there and right? it was a great, great organization and I was well, well compensated, but, um, ultimately my last name wasn't Pappas and, and I wanted to own the business I was working in. Um, and I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My parents were entrepreneurs and, um, I always knew that I wanted to do that. Uh, but I also felt like I, I, I needed to, to, to have the training and I needed to become an expert in my field before I did that. So
0: how'd you know yeah. you were
1: ready? Well, I think you, you reach a point where you go, okay, this is either the time to do it. Um, and I'm going to, st- stop and say nobody's ever fully ready it's kind of like having a kid you, you know you, you just kind of do it <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it out. Um, but I, you know I reached a point in my life where I felt like I had uh, I had paid my dues I had, I had you know really been a student of the game for a long time um, but I was also at a point where I was young enough to where if, if it didn't work I, I could still recover you know, it wasn't like I was 64 and trying to start my own business. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's just kind of where I was in 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 my career path and my life path. Um. And and I also had a, a tremendous amount of uh, support from my family too at that time, and 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 they were kind of like, "Yep, you, you, this is your time." And uh, so that coupled with the fact that my partner was kind of in the similar. Uh, career arc. Yeah. And so it just worked out perfectly for us.
0: So I'm curious when you have to have that conversation, uh, when you've been with a company for 13 years and they've been good to you and you have those relationships, how's that conversation go? When oh, they, you know,
1: they, they were not only not surprised, they were very, very proud. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've been a big supporter of me. Uh, they've been a big supporter of me. And I, uh, I can just tell you that that when I had that conversation was a very positive conversation. They were, you know, I guess sad to see me go, but also happy for me at but the you same know, time. I think that's
0: also a testament of a great restaurant totally. group because that's your goal. That's your goal to push people out of your industry the right way, because you've done so much to serve them that they have grown out of your business and that you are holding them back by keeping them there. And if you have people going out of your business in that way, you're doing something right. And I'm sure that, you know, it is a, it's a, it's a badge of honor to be able to, to equip somebody with the skills and assets they'll need to make it in this world.
1: Absolutely. It's like you see in coaching in football and, you know, you see the great coaches have a, have a, have a tremendous coaching lineage of bunch of other coaches that yeah, have that look they, at the Patriots you know, right now exactly I think
0: one of the reasons why we're not as good as we used to, I'm from New England I say we yeah sorry uh is we, like we every team we play their head coach used to work used to for the coach for Patriots, Patriots yeah. so they know everything about our team yeah and, uh, 100% so, so I think it's a
1: mark was. of a good leader just in general um I, I know it was said uh A's higher A's and B's higher C's um, I, I believe that firmly, you know, and a, a truly great leader wants to develop people and wants to develop superstars, even if it means those superstars leave. Mm-hmm. And even if it means those superstars leave and are competing against them. Yeah. You know,
0: any other story during the come up before. Uh coming back together with your partner. That's worth bringing to the surface as a good lesson that we can benefit from.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I would just say, um, if you, if you were at a point in your, in your career where you're thinking about, is this, is this a, my, is this my time to, to, uh, take the leap of faith? I would, I would just encourage somebody to, to evaluate, have really strong self-awareness on what they're good at. Um, you know, not everybody's – no one's good at everything. Mm. And so so really understand what you do well if and if it fits in the industry you want to be in. And then if what you don't do well, make sure you have the pieces around you to compliment you.
0: Yeah, and I hear a lot of people sometimes say work on your weaknesses and be well-rounded. I, I, think, I don't buy that. I think maybe once upon a time in a less competitive world, uh, but in, to, in today's world where you – it's especially in the restaurant industry the how many restaurants are opening today to be competitive you got to do one thing really well and use that one thing that you do well to attract onto yourself the people that are good where you're weak
1: sure yeah and that's yeah.
0: exactly what i'm hearing yeah about.
1: i'm not i'm not a buyer and work on your weakness i think it's a waste of time frankly i think you spend a lot of a lot of energy and brain power getting you know 2% better at something you're weak versus just Going all in on what you're good at and building around that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the – I'm a huge Notre Dame football fan, um, and we all know the the story of Rudy – you know, and he uh, I th- i think as, as poignant as that movie is, I think it's a scam, too, because this guy worked <laughs> as hard as he could and gave it all so that he could go in for one game on one play higher and, aspirations. You know that. what I mean? It just kind of was a lot of energy yeah. to, to do something in a game that really didn't matter. Yeah. I hear um, and if he had dedicated that energy and that effort into something that he was actually good at. Yeah. He, might be curing cancer yeah. now or something you I mean, just never know
0: yeah you hear it all the time there's different ways of saying saying it stay in your lane sure and places yeah uh, and, and you know it, it's a real thing know what you're good at and lean into your strengths and surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak uh awesome stuff so let's bring it to 2010 but first let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors we'll be right back that you love the most about Rebel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com unstoppable. We're back. So bring us back to 2010 uh, where your life and Josh's life collide once again.
1: Sure. Well, I think it's, it's imperative to start before that. Okay. Uh, when we were in college, we uh, were best friends. We were roommates. We, we've been best friends for the last 20 years now. Um, and we always knew we wanted to do something together, but we didn't know what because we felt like we worked together well and our skill sets match perfectly. Um, and so it, it came uh, it, fast forward to 2010. Josh called me one day and goes, hey, let's go bowling. And I said, okay, I, sure, I haven't been bowling since I was 10. You know, I, I, Where do we go? And he goes, I don't know. And so we started looking, and, and uh, we realized there was no bowling alleys anywhere close to where we lived. And we live in the urban center of Dallas, um, and there was no bowling alleys. And that was, our, that was the moment that we started going, well, maybe, there's, maybe this is the thing that we can do. Um, and so we we uh, we hired a consulting firm uh, that knew bowling that knew the industry and helped us learn the industry and helped us uh, gather information about the marketplace and um, that coupled with a parallel path of seeing what was happening with the internet and and how the internet was really having a disproportionate impact uh, to negatively to the retail spaces. Um, we thought okay there 's going to be a void here in in brick and mortar retail shops uh over the next couple of years that we might be able to come in and, and and infill that void and be a be an asset if we if we start this idea of experiential dining um so not just a restaurant but make it make it an experience that you have to get out of your house and go to that you can 't just pick up your phone and you know with a few Clicks of a button, order pizza or order tacos or whatever, and have it favored to your house.
0: So it's really interesting that you you point that out because I did notice with all of your concepts, there's something that's kind of like a trigger. Like I want to go bowling. Well, let's go to the best place and get great food too. But also, like I'm gonna go walk my dog. Like sure. oh well, if we're gonna go out with the dogs, we might as well go here. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you're tying these. Exp- or I want to go to music. Well. You know, if we're gonna go see a live venue, like we might as well go where there's an amazing menu as well, right? And so, you like, I totally see what you're saying, and you're, you're almost like identifying a trigger, something to do, and then being having the best, well-rounded experience for your guests.
1: Yeah, it's experiential. Not, I don't want to put too many words. No, into you it. you've got it. You, you, I mean, our thesis was was very simple. What can we do that is that is quote unquote internet proof? Um and, and and it really came down to having this experiential uh, model that that was approached from a restaurant tour standpoint. Um, and I think that that was one of the most important distinctions in, in our uh, approach early on was let's let's build a restaurant and bar with bowling or a concert venue with or excuse me, a restaurant and bar with a concert venue versus building a concert venue that serves food. Yeah. Or a bowling alley with a bar. So that philosophical approach to to our business meant that we were not only going to invest in the things that most businesses in our space, in this experiential world, uh, they don't invest in because it's hard. And it's, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, most difficult to make money, and the money you do make isn't that much.
0: Yeah, I think the other really great thing about your story is From the get-go, you two hired a consultant. I think a lot of people feel like it's a a disgrace, or if if you hire a consultant, it means you don't know what you're doing. But why does it make sense to go to a consultant from day one?
1: Well, it's again going back to what I said about having self-awareness and having that understanding of what you do well and what you don't do well, and what you know and what you don't know, and just being this passive, you know, this this drive-by opinion. You know, having this drive by opinion of, oh, I've been to a bowling alley once, so I know how bowling alleys work. You know, I just, I see it all the time. I'm sure it's a
0: mechanical nightmare. Well, you know, it's (laughs) not even
1: that. It's, I mean, that, that to me is the easy part. It's, it's the, it's the, how does the consumer respond to it? What are the business patterns? What, who comes and when do they come and why do they come? You know, uh, it's understanding the consumerism uh, that to me is the, is the, I guess the the mythical that's where the magic is human behavior. Um, Yeah, yeah, and so so uh, you know I think it goes back to that and and I knew that I knew restaurants and bars I didn't know bowling alleys so I wanted to learn it.
0: Yeah, the consumer behavior around exactly awesome Uh, interesting stuff. So um, when you guys what was next? You got the consultant you, you. what was the next step once you kind of had an idea of what it was going to take?
1: Yeah, so we 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 had the consultant. Um, that took a couple of months, and we um, we started on our business plan immediately after we got the report back and and digested it and understood that we we felt like we have something here. Um, we started a business plan that that was really twofold. It was one kind of a broad level business plan of this whole idea of of being an experiential place. Um, and then, additionally, uh, we started with the, the the specific business plan for Bowling Barrel. Um, and that took a year. That took a year. Um, our first business plan was, I think it was 192 pages. Wow. It was massive. Um, it was too much, frankly. But, you know, it was our first go, and we wanted to make sure we were as thorough as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was him and I working in my home office for for almost a year. Um, And then once we had the business plan, then we felt like, okay, now it's time to go start simultaneously uh, finding the property and um and raising the money
0: okay so did you guys have fifty thousand dollars of your own or is that what you raised no
1: that was that was our that was what we scraped together wow. on our own um
0: what advice do you have for for getting that initial capital
1: to save 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 work hard and save i mean it's not that hard to to raise fifty thousand dollars between two people over the course of a year year and a half if you're if you're smart and if you're willing to not you know buy the new shirts or buy you know go on vacation and do that you know you can you can save you can mm-hmm. do it and you can go you know, sell your car if you have to. It what adjustments on.
0: did you make in your life to be able to put away whatever amount you're putting away?
1: Well, I just – I i did a deep evaluation of what I needed and what I wanted. And and the things that I wanted just waited. Mm-hmm. And the things that I needed, I uh, you know, obviously you got to have a house over your head and you, you got to have food for your kids or what or whatnot. Yeah. So, um, But it's funny when you really look at your life and what you spend. It's amazing how much you spend on what you want and not yeah. what you need.
0: I mean, there's so much – just part of my language, shit that we totally. don't need. And a lot of people are always looking to raise money, but they never turn around to, to say, "Well, where can I plug the holes? Where can I get yeah. super lean?" Especially when you're just getting started because you don't know if it's going to be a flop. You need to stay lean. You need to be able to adjust and you need that capital to stay in the business sometimes. You're 100% so, right. And up. and
1: I'm telling you, we're doing 50 million in sales this year and we're still doing that. Oh, that's we're still we're we're still, you know, looking at ways we can uh make sure we we don't get too fancy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know.
0: As soon as you get out of control, it's kind of yeah, a repeat yeah. effect after that. Yeah. Finding a location is yeah. what the, I wanted to talk about next because I think you guys had a, kind of a really good situation kind of, that leaned in your favor when trying to, to lock down a location, yeah?
1: Well, yes, it was a couple things. One, the, the real estate market was still kind of, you know. Yeah, 2010, It was still kind of wonky. Um, so there were some, some holes in the marketplace. That's the good thing. The bad thing is nobody had any money. So and everybody was really was really anybody with cash was holding cash. Mm-hmm. Um and so you know timing of the marketplace I think I think ultimately if your idea is good and and you've got the the right people around it to 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 execute um you're going to find a way. Um and and really I think that's just as simple as as it can be whether the market's great or not if if your idea is good and you have the right talent You'll you'll make it happen.
0: That's another variable. When you're going to investors, there's you, right, Mm -hmm. with 10 years, 13 years uh, of working in one of the best restaurant groups, climbing the ladder, being in management there. And then there's your business partner who's Wall Street, uh, financial, uh, real estate, all these things. So when people are looking at the two of you, you picked up on the fact that you two complement each other well. But anybody who knows business is going, all right, this these are assets these are yeah i mean
1: that was part of our story i mean that was that was part of our business plan that was part of our sales pitch to landlords to to investors was because that's all we had right we didn't have a proof of concept at that point we just had we had our credentials that we could hang our hats on and that was it and they and and then we told a story about why we felt like the the business idea and the business model was a strong one Mm -hmm. um did I read someplace that the the
0: place the the building that you guys got with somebody some other company was looking or in the process of opening and they fell through and you kind of came in and swooped?
1: Um, that was that was at one of our locations. Okay. Our our original location was actually designated to be a retail space. Okay, and um, and. With the economy turning at that time, coupled with the fact that uh, Amazon and 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 all these online pr- powerhouses were starting to burgeon um, that retail space, they were having trouble with it. So we were able to go in and say, "Hey, we've got a use for fifteen thousand square feet. If you're interested,
0: a, a what for a use? A, a use. We've oh, got use. we've okay. we've got
1: we've got something that you can put in this fifteen thousand square foot empty shell." And um and then that's where the that's where the story began, so to speak.
0: Fifty thousand dollars, I feel like that is like you must have spent every last penny to to build out a bowling alley in a
1: bar oh no we 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 didn't build the bowling alley for fifty thousand dollars <laughs> okay. that was just what got us to that point oh, okay i got gotcha, you got gotcha. you uh, we had to go raise the funds gotcha. so our our initial our initial bowling alley i believe was 3.6 million bucks yeah okay i'm gonna say how um,
0: did they pull out? so that was just your hey we got skin in the game we're serious correct
1: gotcha gotcha correct
0: okay, makes complete yeah. sense all right um what was it like? Well, I mean, tell, any other? Well, before we talk about actually opening and, and, and executing, what about the, the 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 process of opening? Any other big lessons? Any mistakes you guys made early on that you can share with myself and my and my listeners to help us? Yeah, I think, sure? I,
1: th- I think I I think the old adage it, it takes twice as long and it's going to be twice as much is certainly true. We found that out. We still find that out. I mean, we've just built our tenth restaurant, and and it's always, every time we start out, we think, oh, we're going to get it. You know, we're going to do it faster and we're going to do it cheaper. You never do. Um, so I think that just having that awareness and, and making sure that you are um, that you are reasonable and realistic about your plans on opening. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that people just don't have the runway. They don't have the they don't have the stamina to be able to complete a project.
0: What kind of runaway do you think somebody should beat themselves
1: well, it depends on what you're talking about if you're talking about um, operating cash we we like to have six months of operating cash with zero revenue coming in um, as our cushion mm-hmm. uh, but as far as building it out um, you know <laughs> depends on the size of the project but but I could I could Reasonably tell somebody to to budget twenty percent more than what they think that's yeah. going to be.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, okay, you guys open. Uh, how's what are the first couple of weeks like?
1: So it was from day one. It was uh, it was like drinking out of a fire hose for us. <laughs> I mean, we we had fifteen hundred people on our grand opening, um, and this goes back to kind of the the hustle and the bootstrap. We didn't have a PR firm at that time. Because uh, we couldn't afford it, so I was our PR firm, and I went out and got the email addresses of all the local food writers and and entertainment writers in the in, in the DFW a, a, a area, and I emailed them as a you know as a PR person, um, hey, come to this brand you use new cool. P- no, no I, <laughs> no, I no I I didn't, but nobody knew who I was at the oh, time. That's a good point. You know, I mean, I, they got an email from Kyle. They didn't know who the the hell I was. Um, and so I sent an email out to probably about 75, 80 people and, uh, i mean just from day one it was there was 1500 people on our grand opening party wow um which is which is massive what right?
0: the email say like, if somebody wants to take this approach then how do you start so to the
1: again uh, going back to the knowing what you know and knowing what you do i knew i didn't know anything about pr so i went to uh amazon and bought several pr books <laughs> and go. just and and Power read. I read. I read about a book and a half a, a week awesome. right now, um, and so I just read several books about public relations and how to write a press release, and how, you know. So I educated myself. Can you
0: remember the titles of those books by any chance? Um,
1: I don't. It's been years. It's been a couple of years, but I mean, a quick Google search, you can find. Gotcha. You can find all you need. Um, but you know, it, it was fascinating because I, I realized one of the things I realized, and it goes back to what we were talking about—the mission statement—with um, a press release. the the most important thing is is does it is it short and sweet and to the point Mm -hmm. you know if you have this long-winded press release these these writers get press releases all day long every day yeah so they're just not going to read through 10 pages of of information they want a quick punchy little press release and um and it worked and so i i crafted this this press release sent it out turned out 1500 people showed up that's amazing how many people can your facility even facilitate it it, it, it probably I, I forget what code is at that unit but um there was probably two three hundred people is the max it should hold <laughs> i mean it was it was insane that's awesome but man. it was cool too and it was cool to see the energy energy now one of the things operationally we were prepared to be busy we weren't prepared to be that busy so it was a lot harder than we thought and it took us you know, I, I will say this: we we did a little bit of damage to ourselves early on, the first probably thirty days, because we just were not we were not as good as we needed to be, and so it took us probably about a year to to rebuild the trust in the community, um, to become good again at what we did and make sure that we got people back in. Yeah.
0: So you you opened in December of 2012, and basically a year and a half later is when you opened your second. Concept
1: yeah. uh, actually less than that. So we opened three units in eleven months. Wait, you opened three three units in eleven months. Three, so we opened. Oh wow, I didn't realize. We that. opened Bowling Barrel in November, December. I think it was November thirtieth as the was the opening date of two thousand twelve, and then two thousand thirteen in July we opened Mutz, and then October we opened. Uh, I
0: don't know why I was thinking December is at like the beginning of the year. Yeah. It's right next to January. But yeah, now it's completely making sense. Six. That's ridiculous. Um. So. Yeah. How did you pull that off? I mean, I can only imagine you get this this beast of a machine uh, that is you said you had to regain the trust. So you had to be Mm -hmm. there. You had to fix things. You're pivoting. You're adapting. You're you're making it better as time goes on. How did you have the bandwidth to, to, to conceive and give birth to a whole new concept in that period of time?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's goes without saying that you just work. And you work hard. Mm. Right. Um, and you don't sleep and you don't do anything else but work and you, and you grind. Um, so that's the obvious. And I think that goes without saying. But then also, you know, going back to the, the the team and the bench strength, we were we were hiring and building and training a team to open three units in a year. And we knew we were going to do that. So we already had the the infrastructure in place to do that. Now, it was a lot of plugging a dam. You know uh there was tons of leaks in the dams, and we were just running around with our fingers, you know trying to plug the holes um but you you just make it happen you yeah. make it happen and so
0: you when you opened the first uh location uh bull and barrel number one, while that was going on, you already had two other concepts on the back burner ready to roll uh so th- I have a feeling this is where Josh probably came in, and he was you're in the front of the house the, the or the, the front. On the floor, training, sure. developing systems, processes, yes. procedures, culture, all that stuff. He's wheeling and dealing with trying to, to work. Uh, yeah, investors he's and he, all this other...
1: he's 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 working the finances. He's working all the legal, um, Again, you know, permitting, all that stuff. Just the power of partnerships. Man. You it's can't huge. be in two places
0: at once. You can't. That's the power of being in two places yes. at once, right? Yes. Uh, and I'm sure he came from Wall Street, so he probably had some connections. Was he? Did you have the right network to be able to pull this off? Is that Did that play into it?
1: Um, yeah, I think so to a certain degree. But a lot of it is just you just go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing what you do. And what you can accomplish when you just go, I have no other option but to make it happen, you know, because failure is just not going to happen for me. So so you just go out and you, you find a way.
0: So if there's anybody that's listening to this who is as ambitious as you trying to open multiple concepts, first time restaurant tours in a year, what advice do you have to that person to keep it organized, to, to move forward, to make progress?
1: Well, I think it's the same. So, you know, and I learned this from, from Pappas. Um a, a 200 seat restaurant is about as difficult to open as a 2000 seat restaurant. Um, it's about the same amount same of work. permits. Same it's the same stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, same thing with, with opening, you know, the opening two units is not that different than opening three units. Um, it's just, you, you know, you just figure out a way and you have a good strategic plan mm-hmm. to go make it happen. And you make sure and fill in all the pieces with personnel. Um, and i know it's it sounds kind of obvious but it is it's, it's the way it is there's no yeah. secret pill to it
0: i think the other variable too being a, a vet of the industry for 13 years before opening your own place working in that community in that city being in the same circles with other super passionate hospitality folks, you must've had, did you bring some people? Did you recruit a good? I did. I did.
1: We had a good team, but you know, again, I go back to whether I was opening one small 50 seat restaurant or whether I was doing three giant units, it would have been the same. It would have been the same same strategy. You have to have a good plan. You have to be good at what you do and be an expert in what you do, and then build a team around that. Yeah,
0: but I'm assuming you must have been able to attract onto yourself some a players because of your, certainly, your network. Yeah.
1: Certainly, and and, and vision, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know that that's really. Cool. What your you know what your background is, or what your you know resume says, but if you don't have a good vision moving forward, you're not going to attract. Yeah, talent. You're
0: going to inspire people, you know, right? Exactly. You're, gonna, you're a new company with the the right reputation. What kind of opportunities? Sure. be There, right? Sure. Um, so we got to talk about your other concepts, your second concept, uh, June of 2013, Mutts Canine and Cantina. Uh, what were you guys thinking here? What was the angle?
1: Well, so going back to the philosophy of we wanted to make sure we were a restaurant and bar with something else, with some other unique aspect, um, we also wanted to tap into things that people were passionate about. Um, people are passionate about their pets. <laughs> yeah. and. And um, we realized that there was, and we we saw a woman struggling on a, on a patio with a dog. She tied it up to the chair and the dog got spooked and ran off and pulled the chair, you know? And, and we realized at that moment that there was no, there might be dog friendly restaurants, but there was no uh, restaurants built for dogs Mm. and dogs are a part of our, if you own a dog, it's a family member. It's not a, it's not this thing that you just have in the corner. I mean, it's part of the family, right? And so we felt like, why not have a restaurant and bar that catered to that, that made that that family member feel included as well? So that's how Mutts was born. Um, we also loved it because uh, it's just a fun, it's a fun business to run. It's a fun business to be involved with, with when, when you see all these dogs coming yeah. in and their tails are wagging. It's just, it's hard to have a bad day at work when you're there.
0: So again, you you put the unique selling proposition. You start with the end in mind. This is what was going to be the experience. This is what's going to separate us. And you work backwards to accommodate that unique experience, and then you surround it with the good food, good service.
1: Totally. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we this com or this question was asked of me a long time ago. Um, it, it was, do you design a concept and then find the space for it, or do you find the space and then design a concept for it? And yes. which which approach do you use? <laughs> And we, to, to date, have had a concept, and then we find the space for it. And, oh, okay. the, and the reason why we do it that way is because everything we do, we, we, we want to scale. Um, I think if you're taking the approach of find a space and then let me create a concept for it, that is more than likely going to be yeah. a one-off you know, location. But if you think broad broad picture, okay, what's the thesis? What's the concept? Uh, what's the model? And then, okay, we've got that ironed out. Now let's go figure out the real estate. Um, and so one of the things we loved about Mutt's was it, it was able to utilize uh, what might be very difficult real estate to utilize. Because being a dog park, it can be an odd shape, a weird corner, uh, you know, an odd nook. We can be in a floodplain. So we can utilize real estate that... Um, might be a little bit difficult for a landlord to, to maximize and be a revenue center for them. Um, and we fit in to, to good urban communities that way. And it's also, it, it, it's great because it, it allows an urban densely populated area to have some green space still.
0: Yeah, no, I'm fascinated by this approach. I never even thought about doing it like that, but you're making some really great points. Uh, so what about legalities? Uh something I was kind of curious about when, when you have that many dogs, running around uh, is there added insurance that you have to take into consideration yeah,
1: you have to i mean it's like anything you know with our concert venue we have we have hoops we have to jump yeah. through, we have measures we have to to make sure are in place, and the same thing with a dog park, same thing with a bowling alley you know the 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 legal part of things and the uh code part of things health department things mm-hmm. like that fire code uh those are not issues for us I mean we just they're they level the playing field for everybody. And you just figure out a way to to, to, yeah. to to accomplish what you want to accomplish and still be uh, within the the guidelines
0: so like four or five months later, after opening mutts canine cantina you're opening the rustic take us through that concept what you're thinking there
1: sure now uh, and again Mutz was Mutz was massively successful we were busy there too we had bowling barrel cranking along now at this point i already had, have my next question we had locked figured them. it out um and then we we were a couple months away from opening the rustic and the rustic was really built around this idea of uh well the idea really came from josh my partner's uh, bachelor party. We had it out in the Texas Hill Country. It was at a friend's ranch, and it was a bunch of guys out uh, grilling steaks over an open flame and listening to live music out, you know, out under the stars and drinking beer and having just kind of this great time. Great. Yeah, yeah. And and I realized at that moment that everybody has a good. Uh, kind of nostalgic memory about a campfire. Mm -hmm. Even if you grew up in the city, like there's just something, I I don't know what it is. It's just nostalgic and it's warming. uh, No pun intended. Um, And so we felt like, why don't we take this idea of live fire, grilling meat over an open flame, cold beer, out under the stars, live music. Why don't we bottle that up and create a restaurant around it? So that's how the rustic was, the, the concept was born. Um, and so we, uh, again, immediately went to work on a, on a business plan and found the real estate. And just as that, we didn't anticipate or plan or try to open three restaurants in a year or in 11 months. Uh, that's just the way the real estate dictated, you know? And, um, that's when we found a property we loved and that's when we had to open it by. So we just, did it, you know, mm-hmm. and it goes back to kind of like I said about, you know, a new parent, you 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 can never be ready for a, 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 your first baby, but when your first baby comes, you just figure it out and yeah. you just figure out how to change a diaper or how yeah. to how to bottle feed or it, whatever it, kind
0: of, it reminds me of the advice we get a lot on this show is when you have somebody that walks in through your doors who has an amazing resume they have the charm they have that, that hospitality bug and you know mm-hmm. they would be a great employee but you're not hiring you hire them anyway yeah you know you just like you come across a great venue that has that's the right cost you know it's gonna be a moneymaker maker. Totally. you know you have got the right people you can scale into it like you make it happen you just do it yeah. so
1: so we we went out and we uh, when we opened rustic in October uh, the rustic opened to uh. We thought Bowling Barrel was big at fifteen hundred people. Um, Mutt's had about a thousand people show up on its opening day, and uh, and then r- the rustic had almost three thousand people, wow. twenty seven hundred people show yeah. up on its I opening day. I saw
0: a stat someplace in two thousand fourteen. Uh, the rustic pulled in. 8 million in alcohol sales alone.
1: Just in alcohol sales. Yes. And broke a state record. That is, that is accurate. Yeah. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It it, 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 it's, it was cranking then and it's still doing really well. It's still cranking just as much. Uh, what, one of the, one of the things that I'm most proud about probably to date is the fact that our food sales at rustic have now surpassed our bar sales. Um, because we always wanted to be a restaurant first and, one of the things that when you come out of the gates and there's much much press to be uh spoken about regarding our alcohol sales and it was kind of this big thing that you know you're you're beating stadiums and and hotels and in and, and bar sales um people automatically think you're a bar and we we weren't a bar we're I mean we're a restaurant first and there's no doubt about it um so it took us some time it took us some time to get people uh, thinking about us from a dining standpoint, like oh, that's where I'm going to go for lunch today, or I'm going to bring the family for dinner on Wednesday night, or, or whatever it might be. Um, but now, uh, over the last couple of years, it's it's been a you know a slow build, but it's it's finally happened to where now food sales have overtaken our bar sales, which mm-hmm. is cool.
0: And um, there's one more restaurant concept that you've opened, uh, the general public. Yes, did, and those are uh, adjacent to. Your bowling
1: alleys, correct? The
0: bowling alleys. Or there's three bowling alleys, right? So two of the three bowling alleys. Two of the
1: three, yeah. So so that started um, because the original bowling barrel in Dallas, uh, there was a a bar restaurant bar next to us, and it was it was it's no longer there, but it was not a very good bar mm-hmm. at the time, but it was busy. It was busy for about the first year and a half, and did it um, open after you. It know? it opened about two months after okay. we did, and so it was really busy and so i went in and i was talking to the owner over there and I, and he he told me that about 60 to 70 percent of his business came from from bowling barrel so in other words we were on a two-hour wait for a bowling lane so people would put their name on the list at bowling barrel then go next door get a drink or whatever hang out and then come back and bowl um, or they would hang out at bowling barrel for a couple hours bowl do that and then go have a nightcap next door um and so we figured we might as well be our neighbor instead of feeding our neighbor. Yeah. And um, that's that's how the general public was born. So it's a it's a it's a it's it's a restaurant and bar all by itself certainly, uh, but it's next door to a to our bowling barrels you in share San any Antonio. Doors or
0: entranceways, or is it a completely separate building? Uh,
1: the back of the house is connected, but the guests do not connect.
0: Got you. What about the uh, second uh, the public? Or the general public that you opened. Uh, same situation. Did it, did it work out that way? Same where?
1: exact situation, yeah. yes. So it's, it's, they're right next door to, to each other, the bowl and barrels and the general publics. Uh, we've got one in San Antonio or one pair in San Antonio and another one in Houston.
0: So, you know, it's also smart growth. You know, you're not just going out there and opening restaurants wherever you're going to gobble up the, the real estate. You're, you're doing it strategically and intentionally.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to be intentional yeah. if you're, you know, and you have to, um, I think one of the biggest things, you, you uh, an entrepreneur needs to know and needs to remember is they've got to be willing to say no to, to projects. We get projects and opportunities all the time, but if it's not in line with who we are or what what our goal is and what our what our either core values are or what our plan is, then we say no because yeah. even if it's a good idea, it's just it's a distraction to what we're doing. Yeah, you know? this is
0: actually hitting pretty close to home right now. Uh, When somebody does approach you who you do respect and admire and they do want to work on something with you, but you just don't have the the bandwidth or you don't see it aligning. How do you come off not sounding like a complete asshole?
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) I think honesty is the best policy, right? Um, And, you know, I think a lot of times if you have if your reputation is one of uh, respect and, and kindness and gratitude and people know that about you. That'll always play through, and you can you can say, "Hey, this isn't for me," and, th- and they're not going to get offended by it because they know it's coming from a good place. The other thing is, you know, one of the things that I really believe in is being uh, is being a connector and and connecting people in the industry. Or you know, you come to me with an idea, but it's not for me, but I might I be able to. Yeah to pass you on and, and, and connect you with somebody else. And I I just, I think that's huge. Uh, not only does it, does it benefit others, but, um, I think it benefits you as well because this whole philosophy of, uh, if you help enough other people get what they want, you can have everything you want. Yes. And I think that that mantra. Uh, it was that, that mantra, philosophy
0: that made me start this podcast. Is man. it really? Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Absolutely. And that, that was kind of exactly what I was thinking. Like, I'm not in the place. I would love to work in the restaurant industry. I'm not in the place to open a restaurant, but I love serving people in the restaurant yeah. industry. I love... Being in a supportive role, why not just help people who are in sure. the position by giving them a resource? 100%. Yeah, I love that concept. Did I cut you short? I'm sorry. I'm no, you really didn't. No, 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 Totally. <laughs> so one other thing I'm really curious about, and I know that you've opened uh, seven more locations since the the, the last Republic – or the general public, sorry. Um, we There's probably lessons there, but I really want to make sure we, we talk about how you set things up uh, because when you're scaling like this – It's really hard to be in different places. What what advice do you have for somebody who is trying to open a bunch of locations relatively close to each other, relatively young company? Like, What things were you putting in place to make sure location A and B were being taken care of when you were focusing on location C?
1: Yeah, well, I think part of it is having uh strong leadership at the store level, you know, making sure your GM is really is really a strong leader. And, w- you know, we've seen when we've had a GM that wasn't uh, up to standard, the, the, the business suffers. And so you have to be willing to to make the tough call sometimes. But, um, you know, I I just think having that strong leadership at the store level is paramount. But again, going back to team. Um, knowing what you're good at, you, you focusing on that. And, and we call them silos e- each, you know, each, uh, silo in the restaurant industry that, that is important, whether it's legal or financial or real estate or culinary or, or beverage management or whatever it might be. Um, you have an expert in that and, and that way, um, you know, you have good coverage, you have, you have people that are focused on one thing yeah and uh if you have somebody that's laser sharp focused on say uh hospitality and the the guest service component of a restaurant um then you you know that that's taken care of across the board
0: how do you trust that they'll do what you want them to do
1: Well, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with just they they have to gain the trust. Right. I mean, you you hope when you hire somebody that they're going to pan out the way you want, uh, but they still have to prove to you that they that they will do what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think another part of it is they have to trust you. Um and, and with any partnership or any employee boss relationship or whatever it might be, um, there has to be mutual trust. Um, and so th- that's not always something that happens right away. You, you, you have to, you know, kind of go through some stuff together mm-hmm. to figure out what each other's about. Um, but once you get it, you, man, you, you protect that with yeah. all costs at all costs.
0: And like I said, you've gone on and you've opened 10 total locations four concepts. Uh, when – why – it seems like you came out of the gate super hot and you're going strong, but then you kind of dialed back. You haven't, When was the last time you opened a, a location?
1: Uh, we opened two locations last year in 2018, and we'll open uh, three this year.
0: What, what, what do you think – is there a reason why you think you guys kind of slowed down a little bit? I mean, you're doing great. I mean, what, what was the – I mean, we're,
1: we're, we're on average right now opening two restaurants a year. Which I guess and, comparably yeah.
0: it's slow from what you were doing, sure. but you're still – Pretty much on par. With. Yeah,
1: um, we we've said from the get go that we will never grow faster than our than our people will let us grow. Yeah, um, that was one of the core core tenets from the start that Josh and I talked about. That you know we're not going to try and get greedy. You know we have to play the long game, and we have to again be able to say no to projects. Um, but we that we wanted to grow at a healthy pace, but a, a manageable pace as well. Um, and so I think two to three units a year is moving pretty fast at our size still. Yeah. Um. You
0: know, No unique concepts recently though.
1: Well we're we're gonna roll out okay. one this year. Yeah. I can't talk about it oh, yet, hear, but, but we're uh we've got another concept, our fifth concept. Yeah.
0: But that that being said, you guys were also working on putting together your franchise model. That that's sure. super time consuming. And you are also serving as the president of the Greater Dallas Restaurant Association, yes. which is also very time consuming. It's it's time but, consuming and but you had fun. some lofty goals. Yes. Uh what was your original goal coming in I, I'll, I'll let you paint that picture of what you wanted to do
1: um do you, you know I, I, I for a guy that's so dedicated and so committed to goal setting i don 't know that I would say I had a singular goal i just I, I guess ultimately from a broad perspective, I just wanted to be happy. Mm. I wanted to have fun, I wanted to have a good life, a fruitful life. I wanted to have a legacy that that I could leave to my kids and that my kids would be proud of me um, and and that was really my broad goal. Um, the other thing that was really a motivator for me is I wanted, I wanted to just be passionate about something. Um, and I really buy into this, this idea of this alarm clock, uh, test. Uh, and and that is that if you're having to set an alarm clock to get up in the morning, you're doing the wrong things.
0: Yeah. I, I use the, if you need an alarm clock to get up in the morning. Yeah. Doing, <laughs> yeah. I haven't used an alarm clock. In the exactly. Long this time, I mean,
1: nice. I, you know, I, I wake up between five thirty and six thirty almost yeah. every day. And, yeah. and I'm, Fired up and ready to go, and I go to bed late. I go to bed between twelve and one, uh, but I'm just excited to get going every day.
0: That's awesome. Um, I, I'm curious with the restaurant association, um, you really got to see the industry from a unique perspective of what's going on 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 a, like a thirty thousand foot perspective, big scale. What do you think is going on in the industry right now? There's a lot of challenging variables, uh, lots of restaurants, labor shortages. What is there an end to the tunnel? Like, what, where do you see the industry going?
1: Well, I think, I think probably the, the longest play here is, is how technology fits into the restaurant business because, because the labor shortage and the, and the, and the cost and the, the rising cost in labor yeah. is, is the biggest challenge for all operators. So there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a shift where restaurants are using more and more technology and less and less, uh, human capital, um, Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's just a matter of fact because, because the market will only bear so much in price, you know, and, and when you're talking about states raising minimum wages and things like that, um, the labor model just doesn't work. Yeah, for I'll the restaurant. Just, I'll, business.
0: I'll just come out and, and be direct. When I, the reason why I was asking that question is because you got you guys kind of started to slow down with the, the developing the new concepts, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, did you have a bigger picture of like where the industry is going with the labor shortages? It look, it looks like it's only going to get worse, right? And we haven't found a solution yet. So was it precautionary? You saying like let's we got a good thing going, let's not stretch ourselves too thin. Let's let's be profitable with what we have.
1: No, I mean, certainly you got to be profitable with what you have. But uh, just frankly, we just we wanted to make sure that we were doing that. We were growing at a smart pace Mm. and not and not getting too greedy. It is very, very uh, tough to say no to something that you we all think that we're going to, you know, hit a home run every time when we open a restaurant. Um, Fortunately, we've done well. um, But, you know, we want to make sure that we're. That our that our bases are covered before we we grow we, yeah. you know we grow too fast.
0: I've thrown a lot of great questions at you, and you filled you've fielded them uh, amazingly. Now, is there anything that you just want to bring to the table, something you're hoping we would talk about, something that's near and dear to your heart right now, something that you think needs to be discussed that you can bring to the table before we go to the speed round?
1: Yeah, I I would just say anybody that uh, thinks that they can open a restaurant because their grandma has a good lasagna recipe or something like that or they really make great gumbo or, you know, I, 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 I would say don't. Um, I, I see that too often and it, and it really breaks my heart to see people get into the business for the wrong reasons. Um, you have to be an expert at it. I, I would never jump into a, a, a hospital and start conducting surgery because, <laughs> yeah. because I had leg surgery one time or something, you know. Um, and it's fascinating how many people think, oh, you know, I, I eat out all the time. I know the business. It's hard. It's a hard business. It's a fun business, yeah. but it's a hard business. And, and um, unless you really are an expert at it, I, I would leave yeah. it to the experts. You keep in
0: mind, that's all the restaurateur wants you to see.
1: Yeah. You know, what about all – it's like sure. a duck
0: on water is the analogy people use. Everybody looks cool, calm, and collected above the surface. But below the surface, those little legs are going fast. 100%. Um,
1: I got one more thing for you. Please. Uh, Yelp. Mm. Yelp. Um, I think Yelp is great. We use it as a tool to get feedback. But I would say if you really want to give good feedback, give it directly in person to the business. Um You know, you can just you can you can coach a lot better that way. If If you come in and you have a bad experience and I know who was involved with that experience, I can coach my team to prevent it next time. A lot easier than getting it five days later that, oh, the. The fries were cold or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear um, and so uh, Yelp is not b- a bad thing, but uh, but giving face to face feedback is really valued. to any 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 true restaurant tour that really cares uh, welcomes feedback. I, I I hate to say I love getting negative feedback, but I do because it gives us a chance to work on our on, on what we're not doing well. Um, and I love it because that, to me, tells me a, 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 one of our guests really really cares about us yeah. and trying to make it better versus just I'm going to go hide behind my keyboard in my mom's basement and, and, and troll. And, and troll. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Restaurant Unstoppable's mission statement is to <laughs> inspire, empower, and transform the restaurant industry. So I want to start asking all my guests, how have you transformed in this 20-plus years of experience? Who are you today versus who you were when you got started?
1: Well, I, I, I'm a lot more humble. There's there's nothing <laughs> like like beating humility into you than than this restaurant than the restaurant industry because you know you just you, you realize that as good as you think you are, you're not that good.
0: Yeah, absolutely, awesome stuff. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll bust out a quick speed round. hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at get slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success?
1: Uh, I think it's that I think big. I'm not afraid to, sh- to take moonshots. What is your biggest weakness? uh, that I think big and I'm not afraid to take moonshots.
0: <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process?
1: Uh, it's really more of a specific thing. I'm looking for the, for the hospitality, the, the, the positive energy component.
0: What is your biggest challenge today?
1: Um, saying no, how are you handling that? saying no to projects? Uh, going back to our core our core statement and our plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, one code of conduct or core value a belief or behavior you teach your team
1: uh always treat others with first or take care of others first
0: what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team something that's common within your four walls but not common within the industry
1: it goes back to our mission statement to create remarkable memories i
0: love it uh what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner or operator
1: uh, good to great.
0: What's the biggest lesson you got from that book?
1: Um, how to scale, how to, how to how to do things the right way, be controlled and measured.
0: Yeah, great book. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough?
1: Uh, talk to their guests.
0: Mm. What is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls that's had a huge influence on operations, uh, profitability, communication, anything along those lines?
1: Uh, using schedule management software. What are you using? We're using Hot Schedules, and they do a great job helping us control labor and and just make sure and communicate with our staff really well.
0: Beautiful. This is the last question. It's a doozy. That was a true speed round, by the way. Nice work. Uh, If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of advice, three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three truths be?
1: Yeah, I would say it's it's first and foremost uh, treat either, uh, treat others well, uh, be kind and be sincere.
0: Kyle Noonan, you've crushed this interview, man. I've loved every segment. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we wrap up every time. Was
1: that, was that your best guest? Where do Ooh, I rank? Where were, do I rank?
0: You were tied.
1: Top three? At the top, yeah. All right, I'll take cannot,
0: it. I'm like a, a mother who's proud of her children. I can't pick one. There you go. They're all so good. Uh, we call uh, At the end of every episode, we call out a guest, somebody that you respect and admire in this industry and you believe would make a great guest mentor.
1: I think Tim Fox does a really good job. I think he's a really unique guy.
0: Tim Fox, I'm coming after you at lookout and let the folks at home know if you want to come join your team or uh, follow you on social media, what's the best way to connect?
1: Uh, connect with me at Kyle Noonan um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the, all the things that's where i that's where you can find me.
0: And just stay tuned for the closing thoughts. I'll link to uh, all the products, tools, recommended books, recommended a summary of today's discussion, all in the show notes. Uh, just, just, Find out what episode number this is, and you can find all that stuff over there. Uh, And, again, just Kyle Noonan, it can't say enough. Thank you so much for taking the time to to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning you are unstoppable.
1: This was a lot of fun.
0: Cheers. Thank you.